0: As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here tonight with Mrs. Denise Renner and Maxi Masnikov, just the three of us all week. Yes. Joel's been busy, Paul's been busy, but Maxime, Denise and I are so glad you've been with us. Thank you so much. And I'm really enjoying this home groups and the notes that you gave us. I'm taking this notes. I'm going to reread them. Well, I think we have really had a good time this week as we've been looking at 10 powerful women. We've only covered five in the whole series, which I'm teaching with Denise in the regular TV program. But this week we have looked at Eve, Noah's wife, Sarah. Jezebel that was last night, and tonight we're going to look at Bathsheba. then on Monday, Esther Tuesday, Mary, Wednesday Mary Magdalene, Thursday Mary, the mother of John Mark, and finally Friday night we're going to look at Priscilla, but next week we're going to see three different Marys that were powerful, powerful women. but you should order this, you will eat it up It'd be great to share with anybody who's trying to grow in their knowledge of the Bible and to become a powerful. And it comes with a study guide, which is free. The study guide is just yours for a download. Just go to runner.org. You can get it right now. Have it immediately. And we want you to have it. We do it for you. But you can order both of these by going online right now or by giving us a call. And this is the last day of the week, this week, that we're offering our book called All the Women of the Bible. More than 400 women profiled in this book So that when you're studying your Old or your New Testament and you read about a woman and you think, who is she? Why is she in the Bible? What did she do? Where did she come from? This book will tell you. You can keep it nearby as a resource that you can turn to to find out who is this woman? Why in the world is she listed in the Bible? What did she do? It's really, really helpful. So please order yours today. And Sister Renner also has a book she wants to tell you about. Denise.
1: I want to offer to you my book, Who Stole Cinderella. This is a book about the power that we as women have in our marriages. And not even if you're married, but you have power as a woman. God made us that way, ladies, that we can either build up or we can tear down. We have great and powerful influence. And this book Really opened my heart about my own mistakes and my own shortcomings and what God taught me. And I want to share it with you. Many years ago the Lord spoke to me of that scripture in Titus chapter two. And it says that the older women should teach the younger women. And I didn't consider myself so old, but I considered that I did have a lot of experience and knowledge, and I want to share it with you. So I recognize recommend my book to you, especially if you're thinking about getting married or you know somebody that's getting married. I wish I had had this book before I got married. That's
0: powerful, Denise. You know, we just recently got a letter from a woman who's in her 80s and she read that book and she said, I wish I'd had that book when I started my marriage. That book's a blessing. I've read it four times and I'm a man and I found it very helpful. It'll be a blessing to you. But tonight, Denise, we're going to talk about Bathsheba. And, you know, we've kind of joked every night that we've never seen a baby named Jezebel. Have you ever seen a baby named Bathsheba? I haven't. No. I don't think i Maxime, have you ever met a Bathsheba? No. People generally remember Bathsheba as an adulteress, and she was, and she was a co-conspirator in murder. It's the story of a woman who really started wrong... But she ended really right. But most people remember what she did wrong. But hey, this is the story of redemption because her story ended really, really well. This was the adulteress who became a godly example. Reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in home group. And tonight we're going to go to the Bible. But we've been saying every night that women are powerful, they're strong, they're influential. But what kind of power and influence they have is determined by what's happened inside them. And when a woman has been touched by God, my goodness, she is so powerful. She's helpful. She's supportive. She's a leader. She is influential. But when a woman's heart has not been touched and she has all those same strengths, she can be very destructive. But tonight we're going to look at an example of a woman. And I want to say again, we're not nitpicking on women. We're going to get to another series called 10 Powerful Men. And everything we're saying tonight can also apply to men. It's all applicable to men as well. But this series is about women. So Denise, let's go there. Bathsheba, the wife of King David, or the adulteress, who became a godly example. Everyone talks about David's adultery. But to commit adultery, there must be a willing partner. And that leads us to Bathsheba. She was a willing partner in this adultery. She could have said no to his advances, but in fact, when you read the whole story, it looks like she seduced David. and probably she did. Let's look at it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him And all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem, and everybody knew that he was there. Look at verse 2. And it came to pass at evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Listen to this. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Well, kings normally walked on the roof of their house every night at the same time. Bathsheba knew that was the moment when he would be walking there. Maxim, you and I were talking about the city of David. You want to comment?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. When you're in Jerusalem and
0: uh, you go to the city of David and they know exactly where his palace was. was. It was on the top of a hill. That's where his palace was. And the guide tells you, look, this is, this is where David was standing, and this is where Bathsheba was. This is where her house and Uriah's house was. It's like 20 meters. What is 20 meters in feet? 60 feet. Like 60 feet away. And he was on the top of a hill, so he was looking down at her. He could see everything. And, of course, she knew it. She, she knew it. She knew he would be standing there at that time of the night. Her husband was gone. All the leading men were gone. And she knew David was going to be right there. Look at verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Well, Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men. Well, that's important. This is one of David's best friends. This was a man that David knew he could really depend on. But look at 2 Samuel 11 verse 4. And David sent messengers and took her. And she did what? Came unto him. She could have said, excuse me, this is dishonorable. I have a husband. My husband is one of your mighty men. I will not do this. But she came to him. She knew exactly what she was doing. I think this is important because everybody talks about David's adultery. But you don't commit adultery by yourself. You have to have a partner to commit adultery. And he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house, which means she thought because of the time of the month that she could not become pregnant. But look at verse 5. And she conceived. The woman conceived. She got caught in her sin. And sent and told David and said, I'm with child. In other words, she said to her partner in this act, we are in trouble. Hey, I got pregnant. This was not supposed to happen. Everybody's going to find out that you and I have committed adultery. I have conceived. Verse 6, And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Verse 7, And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. Now think about how David was so wrong in this. He knew he had just slept with this man's wife. And he's just carrying on trying to cover his sin and behave like nothing has happened. And then in verse 8, David said to Uriah, Go down now to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. David wanted him to go home and sleep with Bathsheba. So that Bathsheba could say she became pregnant when Uriah came home. And David even sent a lot of food so they would eat and be full, go to bed, have sex. She would conceive but Uriah was such an honorable man. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 9. Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all of his servants of his Lord and went not down to his house. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go sleep with my wife while everybody is out on the battlefield sleeping. Well, imagine how frustrated David must have been. What? He didn't sleep with her? What? In fact, the verse goes on to say in verse 10. Verse 10. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah, went not down unto his house, David said to Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thy house? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you go home and sleep with your wife? And listen to what Uriah said in verse 11. And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I go to my own house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Then he says, this was a man who really had integrity on the inside of him. He said, I'm not going to do it. Think of the men out on the field and I'm going to go home and enjoy myself. I'm not doing it. Look at verse 12. And David said to Uriah, "Tarry here today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode to Jerusalem that day and on the morrow verse 13. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and made him drunk. I mean David is really conspiring Denise. And here's the deal. Bathsheba was full aware of this whole plan. She knew exactly what was going on. She knew that David was going to send Uriah home. Now David's going to get him drunk and send him home. they have hatched this plan together and it's not working. Look at it. Made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. Even when he was drunk, his integrity would not allow him to do this. Verse 14. "And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now Denise, think about this. He's going to kill Uriah. He's going to give the order to Joab to put Uriah on the front of the battle where he'll be killed, and asks Uriah to carry the letter to Joab. Uriah doesn't know he's carrying his own death sentence. This is so evil. It's so malicious and mischievous. And David and Bathsheba, they, were, they had hatched this thing together. Look at it. Verse 15. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, the hottest battle, then retire from him or back away from him that he may be smitten and die. Verse 16. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto the place where he knew that valiant men were, verse 17. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. He was killed. This is one of David's best friends, one of his mighty men. Verse 18, Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and they brought a report to David that said, 2 Samuel eleven twenty-four, 24, And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David got what he wanted. Now he could tell everybody that Uriah and Bathsheba slept, slept together. There was no one to say they didn't. He killed the evidence. Verse 26, and when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. She realized what she had done with David. She said, what in the world have I done? And she mourned for him, and of course, she also put on a big theatrical drama so everybody would think she was really heartbroken for her husband when, in fact, she knew well what was going to take place. This is an amazing story, Denise. But she was trying to cover her tracks and look like she was really sorry her husband had died. And look at verse 27. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And of course, in the eyes of everyone, they all thought that David was being kind and benevolent to this woman that she was carrying her dead husband's child, but it was David's child. They really thought they had covered their sin, covered their tracks. The Bible goes on to say in chapter 12, verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Nathan was a prophet. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other one poor. Verse 2, The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, verse 3. But the poor man had nothing save one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and had grew up together with him. He's describing Uriah and Bathsheba. And with his children, it did eat of his meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him almost like a daughter. It's describing the dear relationship and what Uriah felt for Bathsheba. And then there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took of the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Verse 5, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Verse 6, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse 7, I want to say something. Nathan was alone with David. Two people in the room. He was dealing with David privately. God is so good, Denise. When we've made a mistake, God will deal privately with us. And Nathan said to David, You, David, are the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Verse 8, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Verse 10 says, And hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. And in verse 13, David said to Nathan, and this is very important. I have sinned against the Lord. Notice what David did not say. Not true. That's not true. Prove it. If David had taken that approach, probably David's sin would have gone public. How we respond to the Lord's dealings determines what happens to us. Probably a whole year had lapsed between David and Bathsheba's son and the time that Nathan came. Probably a whole year. That's what most scholars believe. It might have taken Nathan a time to work up the nerve to come confront David. Nathan could have known much earlier, but he was being very careful in the way that he approached David. But as a result of David's response, David didn't say, not true, prove it. Try to prove it. Well, how could he prove it? How can he prove it? Uriah was dead. Bathsheba could say it was Uriah's baby. He couldn't prove it. David could think that he could walk away with nobody being able to prove that he had done that. But David had a heart that was after God. That doesn't mean he did everything right, he had a heart that was after God. And David repented, and Bathsheba repented. And that's why we have Psalm 51. It is their psalm of repentance. Listen to it. Beginning in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. The word transgressions means my violations. Verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me for my sin, he's been confronted. Rather than reject and defend, he's saying, I, 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 I'm guilty. God, please forgive me for what I've done. Verse 3, 4, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Verse 9, hide thy face from my sin and... Blot out my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 13, then will I teach transgressors, violators thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness. He's describing his actions. O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. 16, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. He had enough money to bring the biggest sacrifices. That's not what God was asking for. Thou delightest not in offerings. Verse 17, God was after his heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. David repented and so did Bathsheba. And we're told after personal loss and after real repentance, 2 Samuel 12, 20, David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel, decided to move on, came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her. Bathsheba repented along with David. They both repented, Denise. And it was Bathsheba who wrote the 31st proverb, which says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and he will greatly enrich, she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. This is a woman who had done harm to her first husband. She had harmed him. She killed him. She was a co-conspirator, but now God has changed her. Now she's writing to Solomon to tell him what kind of a woman to look for. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last, but the woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward for her all she has done. Reward her, her deeds publicly declare her praise. This is a woman that started wrong but ended right. And Denise, I think about many couples who start in sin. Maybe they start sexually in sin. Maybe they've had all kinds of violations of other people, but their relationship began, and they've carried that guilt all of their life. They don't have to carry it. You can go to the cross. There's forgiveness waiting for you. And if you're listening to me today, and you're a Bathsheba, and your relationship started wrong, if you go to the cross, you'll receive forgiveness. And God is so good, he can make a wrong situation right. That is what he did with David and Bathsheba. And they ended up giving birth to Solomon. Thank God for Solomon. Thank God for Solomon. It just shows how redemption can turn things around. Denise?
1: Redemption is greater than our transgression. And redemption overcame the transgression that um, David and Bathsheba committed.
0: And this is why David wrote Psalm 31, verse 1. Listen to this amazing word. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. That's a grace statement. There wasn't even a revelation of grace in the Old Testament. But David really had a revelation. He had a New Testament revelation in the Old Testament. He did. And he was a man who had experienced forgiveness. And that's why he can say, blessed is he whose transgressions, violations, are forgiven whose sin is covered. Lord, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. And we pray for redemption in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great weekend. And we'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.